You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Writer and Box Office Expert Ryan Scott. Hey, hey everyone. How's it going? So it's been a while, Ryan, since we've had you on, uh, probably at least a few weeks uh, what have you been up to? Yeah, as the early 2000s rockers stained might say, it's been a while. Um, uh, yeah, um, I've, I've been quite busy. Uh, I, I Aside from work stuff, I've uh, just been like I had Fantastic Fest a few weeks ago. Then like the, the weekend immediately after I went camping with my girlfriend, I just went to Vegas for like 26 hours. I'm going home to Arizona this weekend. So I've been, uh, yeah, I've been I've been running around. What's the funnest thing you did in Vegas? 
well, I mostly went yeah, you for can a say per- on a podcast that people are listening to. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't have a single drop of alcohol while I was there, but I, but I, um, I, I went for a friend's birthday and we went and saw Daniel Tosh, which was pretty cool. So, you know, seeing live standups quite fun. And, uh, yeah, that was, I won a hundred, bucks, $123 on a slot machine. That was neat. Very cool. Um, Andy, you've also, I, I've been seeing these, these vague tweets from you. You've been working on a project for quite some time, which is releasing tomorrow morning. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing a little something, and when I say a little something, I mean literally the longest article by a wide <laughs> mile I've ever I've ever done for anyone anywhere. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's a big uh, passion project that I sort of put together just by saying like, hey, here's a thing I would like to do, and and luckily uh, you and the other fine folks at Slash Film were like. <laughs> go nuts uh but um yeah it was like a big thing and, and it took a lot of doing but uh i'd like to not say what it is until tomorrow but please uh if you are a what i will say is that if you are a horror movie fan uh, uh please tune into slash film tomorrow for a very big 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 thing uh that is going up uh and i mean big in terms of like it is just generally like a large thing um like a large piece and uh i, I think people i think people are gonna like it i hope they will I hope people like this movie as much as I like this movie, and I will leave it at that. Do you know how many words your piece is? Uh, thousands. Uh, I, I want oh, wow. maybe enough to make like one of those really small books you buy at like the bookstore at the counter when you're there to buy a bigger book. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe like it's it's quite a bit. It's it's pretty big. Crazy. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's get into stuff that people uh, that we can talk about. Let's uh, let's talk about the box office because we haven't had you on in a few weeks to talk about the box office, and it, it seems like it's been pretty uh, dour. I guess. Well, September was very dour. Uh, September was uh, even. It was one of the worst. It was the worst that September has been in like a in a quarter of a century. It was awful, um, and I had talked a lot about that. The, the I wrote a piece about it. Hollywood did them did this to themselves. They left September completely barren uh, to the point that Top Gun Maverick is still in the top 10 somehow after 20 weeks. But um, that was their fault. There were movies that could have been moved there. Uh, Ticket to Paradise is the one that I really look at the Julia Roberts uh, and um, George Clooney comedy. It's already made over 60 million overseas. Why not move that up instead of moving it? it it's opening against Black Adam. I don't, I genuinely don't understand. So, um, but so October has already been better. October has been much kinder. Uh, Smile has done incredibly well. Uh, topped the charts the last two weeks. Most amazing thing about Smile is that it, it only dropped 18, like a little over 18% in its second weekend, um, which never happens with horror movies. Even a good horror movie, it's going to, you know, have a pretty big drop that second weekend generally. So, I mean, that's been incredible. It's going to sail past a hundred million any day now, and it's probably going to be the biggest, uh, highest grossing original horror movie of the year. So pretty cool stuff. That's crazy. Why do you think smile? Do you think it's just like the right movie at the right time? There's not much else going on at the box office, or do you think, I don't know, a horror movie about people smiling? I mean, it had like this, like, uh, I don't want to say viral marketing, but you it, it kind of no, it absolutely did. It absolutely, and, and then also like I think that trailer was really good. I mean, I think what's weird is like I think it's so. I talk about this a lot in Tales from the Box Office, but it's so weird how often it just goes back to like, was there a good trailer for it? 
you know, and like, and like, and, 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 and no, but I'm serious. Like, you know, it's like, I even look back at like something like Skyfall, like, damn, that teaser trailer is really good, you know, or like, um, you know, you can say what you want about Jurassic world, but that like original Jurassic world teaser trailer is like very inviting, you know? And, and, um, hell, I'll even say that that avatar, the way of water trailer, it looks good. You know, barbarian had a very like intriguing trailer, even though it didn't give anything away. I think that smile trailer is pretty good. Um, I think it's a very friendly horror movie. Like it looks like the kind of like thing that, you know, it's more, it, it looks very crowd pleasery, even though it kind of isn't. Um, when you actually see it, it's very bleak and, and tension filled and it's good. I like it, but, um, but yeah, so I think it was just a combination of things. I think it was reading, leading right into Halloween. We don't have Halloween ends until this Friday. So you had a couple of weeks where people are kind of getting spooky season underway and, and uh, yeah, so, you know, that I think it was just a confluence of events. It was no one thing. Yeah. It's also a concept that I feel like is very easily easily marketed. Do you know what I mean? Like every, every little piece of it is like, oh, I get what this is. And like I either want to see it or I don't. It's not. Well, that, uh, yeah. I watched Avatar The Way of Water trailer and I'm, I'm still, you know, I want to see it because, you know, James Cameron and I got to see, you know, I. I for me, I need to see it, but I feel like there's people out there, even though that's like a, a, an exciting trailer that like, I'm like, what is this about? You know yeah. I mean? like, and again, we're going to get another trailer that's going to tell yeah. us what it's about. It's like the same thing happened with Black Panther, that first teaser trailer, or the new Black, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, that first teaser trailer, very good, but didn't tell us anything. The more recent trailer told us a lot more. That's kind of how that's going to go. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I guess worth mentioning, we've had a couple of very notable bombs in the past couple of weeks. Um, feel real bad about bros uh the the billy eichner comedy it has made only like nine million so far and i i don't want to say too much about this one lest i get caught in some crosshairs i don't want to get caught in but um yeah all i'll say is billy eichner uh took to twitter to say to essentially blame it on straight people for not going to see it and all i will say is from a dollars and cents standpoint when your movie has made less than nine million dollars in two weeks nobody is going to see it you can't blame any one group that's all i will say um and then amsterdam is the real big bad one here and this is from disney uh david o russell's new movie huge star-studded cast um it it uh 80 million dollar budget opened to 6.5 it only made 10 worldwide um Pretty bad stuff. Deadline recently released a piece. It is expected when all is said and done to lose $97 million. So, um, Ryan, I yeah. work for slashfilm.com and I barely knew that that movie came out. Uh, yeah, no, I know. And, and look, don't get me wrong. Sometimes with the award season movies, like that's the idea, right? Like you had this weekend, you had tar, the, the Kate Blanchett movie and triangle of sadness, both opened in like very few theaters and they're doing a platform release. You will start to become more aware. That's the idea when you open this movie in 3000 theaters, but you sort of advertise it like it's going to streaming or I don't know. It, it it didn't have, again, I'm no marketing expert, but, uh, and also, I think the biggest problem there, and we talk about this all the time, I don't know how the hell you let that movie cost $80 million. You know, like that's, I understand that this is one of those movies that had to stop production because of COVID. Yeah, they moved, yeah. they moved the production, I think, from Boston to LA, which was costly. But I, boy, how, oh boy, that was, a, that's a lot of money. Um, So this is kind of right up there with, with uh, the Northmen as, as one of the biggest bombs of the year. Um. 
pretty pretty bad stuff. I don't really know what else to say about it, but it's bad. Yeah. Uh, the, the other story I, I really wanted to talk to you about today, uh, we have a bunch of stuff, but this one I think is really interesting. So Richard Linkletter has this new movie called Apollo 10 and a half. Yeah, it came out a handful of months ago as a Netflix, kind of sort of flew under the radar, but as a Netflix movie. Yeah, it's an animated movie. Um, you know, we as Aaron wrote on the site, it's important to remember that animation is not a genre, but rather a medium. It's a medium that can take up on so many different forms from hand-drawn 2D to, to computer animated 3D to stop motion puppeteering. Nowadays, you can splice together several still frames of paintings and create fluid animated movement. Um, I think that's important to, to, to lead off with because this movie is was animated but is created with this technique called rotoscoping and this isn't anything new this has been since the beginning of uh cinema <laughs> actually that um was it the first motion picture of all time of the 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 horse running yeah uh, i think so yeah that nope has a whole thing about that the the you know yeah, yeah. yeah so they they've rotoscoped that and then they would actually um so like the first, you know, first animated film, I guess, or one of the first. Yeah. So um, not the first one of the first. Um, I, I must admit, Peter, before we go forward here, animation is not my area of expertise. Yeah. Uh, so like so I so I will defer to you a little bit here, but I'm happy to provide <laughs> some commentary. Yeah. No, I, I like your opinions, uh, Ryan. OK, so. uh so the Academy of Motion Pictures Arts, uh, let me explain what rotoscoping is. Rotoscoping is when you take a live action image and then you are using that as a basis to trace and create an animation. So you are not putting a filter over live action footage. It's not like you and I movie make or, you know, you on your phone making uh, your footage look like a cartoon. It's you being able to trace and actually uh, not always trace because you're sometimes doing exaggerations and stuff like that. And this film, I mean, Richard Linkletter has used this technique a bunch of times before. He used it with in 2001 with Waking Life, which was that Sundance. And, well, uh, and all I can say is I've heard of rotoscoping a bunch. Like this is not even close to the first time I've heard of this. Yeah, I mean, it was used in Snow White uh, for some of like the dancing and stuff like that. Like, so it's used in anime. It's been used in big animated films before. But if you've ever seen Waking Life or Scanner Darkly, the two Richard Linklater films, and you know what Love this kind Scanner of Darkly. is. Yeah. Um, so this film has been rejected for the best animated feature Oscar by the Academy Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences Animation Committee. According to IndieWire, uh, Linkletter was notified that his Rotoscope movie was rejected from campaigning for the best animated feature film for what the Academy considered, quote, extensive use, unquote, of live action footage. It also contends that any animation style that, quote, could be mistaken for live action, unquote, has to go through a, a review process by the committee. So no live footage, live action footage is in this film. Uh, actually, from what I understand, they actually only sent over to the animators the, the uh, let me pull this up. I think it was like they, they pulled, uh, like they, they only sent over to the animators the the outlines of the characters. So it All wasn't right, like the, let, yeah. Let's let's get away from the minutia this a little bit, but yeah. like let's talk. Okay, so like the rotoscoping is a technique that has been used in animation for a long time, going back what eighty years or something. 
Uh, it's, you know, been used a bunch before. Uh, it seems like this is almost like a, te- a technicality type thing that the Academy's getting hung up on. Yes. No, it, it definitely seems like a technicality, but also, I mean, I, I love this quote from Linkletter. He says, the industry is clustered around kids' entertainment. I get the feeling that they're basically like indie weirdos go home. And uh, I, I mean, I could see like spending years of your life to to make a movie that is an animated film and basically being told by the Oscars that, nope, this is an animation yeah, and and let's and let's also be clear, like just for you know, not that Rotten Tomatoes is the be all end all here, but like this movie has a ninety one percent approval on Rotten Tomatoes, and then the audience score is at eighty four percent. So this is very strongly reviewed, and and that would sort of be your indicator, like, well, maybe this is an Oscar, you know, type movie. So I don't know. It seems I didn't get a chance to watch it, but it's on my list before the Oscar. It, well, Same. it was on my list as as award season starts coming <laughs> around. But I, I do think well, it could still be up for other awards, you know, outside of the Academy. So, yeah, but yeah, but but like and, and but this is also there, there, you know, it's like I remember when the Lion King remake came out and everyone was calling it live action, even though like everything was animated in it. Technically speaking, it's just crazy ass CG is essentially what it is. Um, that and that so, film, I'm not sure if you know this, actually has one shot that's live action. It's the oh, I did, I did. shot that is like of the sun rising or something. Oh, okay. I did not know that. But but yeah, but so but so like it's people getting sort of hung up on um yeah. you know you know, that sort of thing. And and we are getting to a point where with so much CG and some of this other stuff that it is at points a little bit tricky as to what's what. But this this more or less seems somewhat cut and dry to me that like come on this is an animated movie really so the question here is what qualifies as an animated film and what doesn't qualify as an animated film because i get it you could rotoscoping could be abused in a way of like you could film live action and basically just completely trace without any creative artistic interpretation the footage that you're seeing and you're basically creating almost something that's like akin to those filters I was talking about on your iPhone. But, and that would not, would that even be considered? Like, What do you think, Ryan? Like what should be considered animation? Because again, animation is a medium, not, um, not a genre. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I, I mean, I guess the thing is, I don't know enough about it, but it is, even arguably a form of animation you know what i mean like you can argue like in the same way like I, you know because where i get bogged down is like i felt like andy circus deserved a best actor nomination for war for the planet of the apes but people get bogged down about that because you know it's like okay but he's just doing motion capture and you know and i understand there's a shitload of visual effects artists and stuff that are also owed credit for that performance but you know so it's like so you, it's just the minutiae of some of these things of of you know, because now we have so much technology involved in filmmaking, um, there just there just might need to be, you know, ways to classify that. But to me, I look at it, I see an an animated film, and you know, I I think it should be as simple as you know, it's an animated film. Yeah, you can, you can let you can let the voters decide if the methodology that got you to that animated film takes anything away from it. But it is at the end of the day, an animated film. I think this is fascinating. Now, obviously, neither of us have seen this film yet. It's on Netflix. You can go watch it right now. That said, 
I don't think anybody was thinking that this was going to win the best animated Oscar, but it it had a chance to be nominated for uh, the nominations, right? Like there's only so many animated films produced every year. It, it, it's a much smaller bucket than there is, you know, the live action uh, film bucket. So there, there was a chance that this could get nominated for best animation. It, if they aren't considered for the animation category, them getting considered for the live, you know, for best picture and making it into that bucket is much slimmer. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think that's something they would like campaign for. I mean, that, that, that'd be probably a waste of their money to campaign for, for this film, for, you know, best picture. Well, but, and we all know Netflix has never wasted a dime. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just think this is fascinating because, like, as you said, yeah, there are, are like weird gray areas, like the performance capture, but that's like new technology. Rotoscoping has been around since the beginning of cinema, which is just crazy that uh, this film could be considered not an animated feature because I don't, I don't know. It just seems so strange to me. But, um, but yeah. yeah again to me that seems like a voter issue it seems more like a voter issue it is an animated film now you now again the voters get to decide if that's something that that should be counted against the film ultimately in terms of winning anything but to me that's where i kind of fall on this i think after considering it here for a minute but it's not even gonna it can't be considered by the voters. no well that's what i'm saying it should what i'm saying is it should be a voter like it should you know what i mean it shouldn't be it shouldn't be the situation oh, yeah, yeah. that it is so you're what saying, I'm saying in, in in the world that you want to live in like it should be like oh there should be these like evil campaigns from like the other <laughs> the other studios being like this really is an animation this is you know it's being traced, sure whatever. i guess they could do that but yeah. i'm saying that yeah mudslinging like it's a political thing but yeah and then let the voters decide let the voters decide that's what this country <laughs> was built on damn it no, I'm just kidding. I don't care. It's just interesting. I, you know, Linklater's not going to suffer. Netflix isn't going to suffer, but it does suck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the people that suffer are like the below the line, all the animators that worked on something like that. Well, the, yeah, because they're not getting any box office or anything. So for them, if the movie gets an Oscar, it helps out their careers immensely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about epics. Uh, this is a streaming... said nobody ever. <laughs> What's okay? Uh, Actually, let me be very clear. As someone who subscribes to (laughs) to uh, no, just real quick, because I was making a joke, but like I I think Epics actually does good work, and I will leave it. I will, I will please continue, but I will actually, aside from my joke, I do think Epics does good work. Okay, correct me if I was wrong. If I'm wrong, when Netflix first got into streaming, they made a deal with one of um, one of these channels to get a library of like all the, the movies that they were showing on that channel. Was that epics? I believe that was epics at the time. Oh God. I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was epics. It was in 2014. So epics was the company that basically helped Netflix launch into the streaming stuff because they, they, they basically overnight Netflix had like real movies like sure you know, yeah not netflix movies like like a catalog of real movies uh no well, one knew netflix it. started people forget netflix had no original content when they started it was all licensed stuff 
<laughs> but I, I mean, Epic's obviously the the reason for Epic's to do that is is smart. The you know, no one knew who they were. No one knew that they were a channel that they were subscribed to on their cable systems and DirecTV, and they're getting money off of you know. <laughs> they made these deals for all these movies, and this was before existing time where the streaming was even a, a possibility. So they were able to, like, you know, to stream their catalog <laughs> to, to 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 Netflix, and make a uh, make some money. So, anyways, it, basically, what I'm saying is, it, it didn't really help make Epics the brand name that the they currently are or were, and now they're getting rebranded. Tell us about that, Ryan. Yeah, so um, as is as is customary now in the streaming world. So let's back up just a second. Uh, Epics is ultimately owned by MGM, so it's essentially an MGM entity, kind of like the Paramount Network is, sort of. Uh, except the branding makes sense there, right? Paramount, you know what it is. Uh, so the idea here now, uh, the, now let's rewind again just a second. Amazon acquired. All of MGM uh, earlier this year in a deal for $8.5 billion. That was finalized in March. So now Amazon owns MGM. Amazon also has Prime Video. Amazon has streaming concerns. All right. Can we see where this is going? Uh, so Epix is being rebranded in 2023 uh, as MGM Plus. Wouldn't you know it? Uh, so, um, yeah, because Epix, not only are they a uh, standalone like cable channel and stuff, but they also have a streaming package you can get so so that will be mgm plus now i don't know how that's going to ultimately affect what uh movies and tv shows are made for it like one of the things i know epics has right now is they have a deal with blumhouse where blumhouse is making certain original movies that will that are released through epics uh uh that's one of the things but epics largely has been like a like a cable channel that broadcasts a lot of movies and they have some um you know, original, like Godfather of Harlem was one of their shows, uh, Rogue Heroes, uh, you know, so they have some, some original shows, but, but largely they've been a, they've been like kind of a, a, a rebroadcast movie channel sort of is how I came to it. Yeah, no, no, that, I think that's exactly right. And I think smart, uh, rebranding as MGM, I think before it was owned by what Lionsgate and Paramount owned some of it and Amazon, something uh, like that i haven't followed yeah. the history of that too much but but yeah so so now you know they're gonna i don't know how much amazon is gonna use it as an outlet for uh the one thing i will say is this um and go to michael wright who is the president of epics one of the things he was talking about uh with the deal he goes uh the good news is amazon has increased investment in content uh so the idea is that you know amazon he seems to be painting this in a positive light that amazon you know might sort of give them a little bit more money for things. Uh, 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 you know, so, and then he says, uh, they're really helping us grow this thing. We're uh, doing more of the same with, I will say, a greater emphasis on and celebration of MGM. We're not going to be exclusive to MGM. We're still going to be acquiring films from other studios, but a celebration of the MGM brand uh, is a bigger part now of the service. So, you know. Uh, they're going to lean heavily into the library. Uh, you know, that'll include like No Time to Die, of course, the James Bond films, House of Gucci, Licorice Pizza, uh, some of those Blumhouse films I was talking about. Um, yeah, so that's the idea. Um, it's just another plus rebranding of the uh, to try to get um, streaming streaming recognition. Uh, I imagine a lot of this will just be about more bundling it up with Prime Video 
uh, sort of like you can through the Prime Video channels. I think that's more what they're going to aim for. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah. It says here uh, MGM Plus will also position itself as a sister service to Amazon streaming services alongside Amazon Prime Video and ad-supported Amazon Freebie that no one talks about. Which, uh, well, IMDb, IMDb, what was it? IMDb, IMDb Plus or whatever it was. Whatever the IMDb branding was before it was Freebie was much better. I don't know why the hell they did what they did with that. Uh, so... The service is expected to remain a la carte at the same monthly rate of five ninety nine as before, but yeah, I, I, I'm betting they're gonna somehow group it in in, in different ways. Or well, but, I think I think you'll slightly see more emphasis on MGM Plus in the channels. I think I like again. I don't know what the profitability mark is on these things. I don't know if it's worth five ninety nine a month. I think at like two ninety nine a month or something that would almost be worth it. But I think as is, it's five ninety nine is a little high for what you get out of Epics in the streaming marketplace right now. It just seems weird to me that all these streaming services launched like with a different brand than the brand that like has been around for like a hundred years. I don't know. Now, I, I don't know. Obviously MGM was not like, did not own this thing, but like, you know, Peacock, why call it Peacock? Because NBC <laughs> has a Peacock, Peter. I, I, Hey, I understand the reasoning. I, uh, well, it's worked out real well. They've only got 14 million subscribers and they're bleeding cash like nobody's business. Yeah. So in HBO Max, uh, like, I don't know. Why not call it Warner Brothers Plus or something? I, I kind like of understand leaning on the HBO name. That one I don't begrudge as much, but I do get the point. Yeah, yeah. But OK, anyways, uh, so Epics is now MGM Plus and you can you can go on ignoring that it ever is a thing. <laughs> okay uh our last story for today is a marvel story from uh i think a week ago or something we just haven't had time to talk about it on the podcast well but there was a development about this today so uh, it's it's current again oh okay i have not uh seen the so development go, of that uh, i actually uh so go ahead and uh let, let's uh do you, do you want to do you want to yeah, start I'll, set, I'll, I'll set it up okay. so marvel's blade uh, this the the reboot of the vampire character that you know has had movies before. Wesley uh, Snipes, baby. Yeah, it was supposed to be directed by Bassam Tariq, and that director has left the project. Um, Marvel gave a statement to the Hollywood Reporter on uh, uh, Tuesday, September twenty seventh, said due to continued shifts in our production schedule. Bassam is not no longer moving forward as director of Blade, but will remain on as executive producer of the film. I'm going to read into that. We're giving him a credit because he was he contributed so much to it. But yeah, he's not he really was, yeah. I mean, they were literally weeks away from filming. So, I mean, you know, he was. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is crazy because Blade is scheduled to be released November 23rd, 2023. Or it's is it? <laughs> <laughs> we oh, might, okay. We, well, we, the, we film, the film was going to begin production in Atlanta in yeah. November. Was okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what are the latest uh, and greatest on this, Ryan? Uh, so, to, like, it was it only dropped like minutes before we started recording, which is the only reason. But uh, so the again from Hollywood Reporter, uh, Marvel Studios has paused Blade uh, amid the search for a new director. So they have paused it completely. Uh, Basim Tariq left two weeks ago. And now the studio is pressing pause on the vampire adventure thriller that uh, is set to star Mahershala Ali in the lead role. Uh, that was the big surprise at uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2019, if you can believe it. 
uh, when Ali was brought out on stage. So this has been three years this thing has been in development. Um, one thing that came out shortly after Tariq's ex exit is that apparently Ali is very frustrated with the process. Uh, he has not been happy with any of this. The script was in very terrible shape. There were supposedly only like two, two, uh, action sequences in the whole thing. Um, uh, so they bought Bu DeMeo, uh, uh, who worked on Moon Knight and X-Men 97 to re revamp the script. So there's been all kinds of stuff going on, but now, um, Production is being temporarily shut down completely. Uh, it was in pre-production in Atlanta. That has now been shut down entirely. Um, so they're still supposedly looking for a filmmaker to further develop it, which sounds rough. Uh, so mm -hmm. they're hoping to restart production in early 2023, but that would mean there is almost no chance that they're going to hit that November date. So... Um, yeah, this is starting to seem a little ugly to me. Uh, my concern is you have a guy like Mahershala Ali who could probably go do just about anything he wants. And he's 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 exercised a lot of patience through this whole thing. And then, uh, boy, I just don't know how much longer he's going to hang on. Yeah, uh, because this isn't the first time it's been moved back or, or the production. Well, it's been back. in development yeah. and uh, it's seemingly development hell for a little while now. Um yeah. So who would who would you like to see take over as director of Blade? <laughs> um, so here's my thing. I think at this point, much like what happened when you had Edgar Wright leave Ant Man, you can't you can't just get like an like a like a new director in there. You 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 have to have a steady hand. You have to have like a proven hand that can go in and be like you know, so again now Peyton Reed hadn't necessarily done a big movie, but he had been in Hollywood for years. So when he came in, he knew how to make a damn movie. So my thing is. But the, uh, the other thought on that at the time was you need someone that's going to do what Marvel wants you to do. Right. Like someone sure. that's going to gonna listen to Marvel. But then you've seen what's happened to Peyton Reed. He, he has become a big creative force at Marvel and is also doing, you know, other. Stuff. Right. So I think it's a mix of the two. Yeah. Um, so my, my guy, the guy that I pitched, I, I was a couple weeks ago, I put up a little list of people. Uh, the guy I really landed on was Alexandra Aja, uh, who did crawl, uh, from 2019, the Sam Raimi produced horror movie that I really love. He also did the Hills have eyes remake Piranha 3d high tension. Um, uh, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a, you know, he's, he's, he's. <laughs> He's got he's got a he's got a list of movies. He's done he's been around, he's done movies, he's done some kind of big movies. Um, you know, he he can lean into the horror element, steady hand, that's my guy. That's who I would go to. He doesn't seem to be too busy right now. Um, I, I think he he's the guy you go. That, yeah, that's my that's my take. I, I don't have a really good idea, like a good pick for this. Like I my, my pick was kind of the joke pick, and that was Guillermo del Toro because he <laughs> directed Del Toro well, wouldn't it, do it. Yeah. I don't think you would do it. I don't think I, I think you could back up the money truck to his house and I don't think you'd do it. Well, why do you why do you think you wouldn't do it? He doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to play ball in that way. Yeah, I you know, I, I think I think uh, Shape of Water changed everything for him. I, I think uh, I think that experience and him winning the Oscar and do, making the movie that he wanted to make simply because Pacific Rim 2 kept getting delayed. Like he just said, screw it. I'm not waiting a year to make a movie and I go make the movie I want to make. I think that changed his whole thinking on a lot of things. What do you think of like uh, other horror directors that Marvel has worked with in the past? Like uh, they worked with uh, Doctor Strange. They worked with uh, Scott Derrickson. 
I don't think Derek's took. I mean, yeah, I, I candidly. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 because he, you know, he was on Doctor Strange 2, or yeah, he was on Doctor Strange 2 before uh, the he he, left, and he then... doesn't want to be on the other end of someone else's movie. He's said that directly. And the thing yeah. is, like, now he's also said he would work with Marvel again, but I think the thing would be that he would have to be, it would have to be something he was shepherding. This is not that. So, like, it's not to say that I don't think Derrickson would ever work with Marvel again. I just don't think this is what he wants to get himself into. Yeah. You know, the yeah. other guys maybe like Benson and Moorhead, but they're doing Loki season two, so they're gonna be too busy to do it. Um yeah. Those, I mean, those, those were the other guys I was gonna suggest, but yeah, they are they, they, they have their they're hands too busy. Full. And again, good for them. Good for them doing Loki season two, but like yeah, they just don't they, they they won't have the time. So if they weren't already doing Loki season two, I would suspect Marvel would be again backing up the money truck and saying, please, but um because I think they would do it. Like I, I think, you know, but, but the, 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 you know, they're busy. So what are you going to do? Yeah. You need to have a filmmaker at a certain level of their career that sees, um, being able to have, uh, to work with that kind of budget and that kind of big movie as, as, as a plus, not a minus. Um, I literally just got a notification as we're doing this, that the Marvel has just shifted a ton of release dates, including blade. (laughs) You don't say, Ryan. You I don't, don't say. say. So so now Blade is set to open on September 6, 2024, which was the Deadpool 3 date. Um, so now Deadpool 3 is November 8th, 2024. Uh, Fantastic Four moved uh, to no, uh, from to February 14th, 2025. Uh, there's a bunch that I'm sure we'll cover this on SlashFilm.com. But yeah, so uh, what do you know? Interesting. Okay. Uh, that does it for today. Tomorrow we'll be back with Andor. And on Thursday, Ben will be back with a new show. And then on Friday, we'll be back with She-Hulk uh, to accommodate um, Brad is uh, seeing some movies and stuff. So that is the schedule for the rest of the week. You can find all of our work at SlashFilm.com and go check out tomorrow morning, Ryan's Secret Project. Uh, which you're going to want to read on Slash Film. Uh, Slash Film Daily is published every weekday on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.slashfilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.